Welcome to episode 479 of the RV Podcast. And this week on the RV Podcast, we talk about the scary things that can happen on an RV trip. Hello, everybody. I'm Mike Wendland. And this is my lifelong traveling companion and my bride, Jennifer. We're glad to be with you today. And behind Mike is our loyal, faithful Norwegian elk hound, Bo. And I'm looking to He's see sleeping. if there's any way I can get a picture of him. But he is He's sound asleep. Right behind us. He's, can... he's got your back. Well, we'll move around the camera angles and you'll see him sometime. But, but he's, he's here. He's here supervising. Mm -hmm. um, big week for us. Uh, a lot of work. It is, it is a lot of work to take off on the first trip of the year, isn't it? Oh, yes, it is. It is, sir. It is a lot of work to... Uh, oh, I think the hardest part's going to be trying on my summer clothes because I've put some pounds on. In case you wonder, we're leaving our Southwest Michigan 10-acre homestead and headed towards Tampa, Florida. Mm -hmm. Next week, the big RV show, the RV Florida Super Show, and uh, we'll be spending the whole week there. Hopefully meet a lot of you guys out there. That should be kind of fun. We're always excited about that. And I uh, want to remind you, first of all, that there's a couple of different versions of this podcast. Of course, the audio version, uh, and that can be found at uh, on all of your various uh, uh, functions, all of your apps and your webs our website, rvlifestyle.com. And there's also, of course, a video version on the RV Lifestyle YouTube channel, and uh, we will uh, embed that at the RVLifestyle.com or just go on over to YouTube and you can watch it. Um, again, and if you want an audio-only version, uh, your favorite app will, will bring it. Well, we have been blown away this week by the awesome and continuing response to our new RV Lifestyle community that we started off of Facebook. Uh, we kind of soft launched this thing just uh, uh, between the holidays, and uh, it has been a phenomenal success. It's become warm, friendly, welcoming, helpful. It has all these ch chat features that we didn't have on Facebook. And of course, uh, we have no problems with uh, people um, being nasty or mean as they are on Facebook. There's something about big tech and Facebook. Um, we don't have it on this one. This is dedicated just to RVers. And it's been so such a breath of fresh air, hasn't it? Oh, it has. And uh, you ask a question and like if you needed a route, how to get to someplace, where to camp, how to get there right away. You know, there's just numerous responses with practical suggestions. And we're on numerous times a day. There's just something that's it's just. It's just easier to interact with everybody. Um, people send us a chat and we can respond and answer questions one-on-one -on -one with people. And of course, if you have a question, you just post it. There's a bunch of different groups and sub uh, categories on this. If you're interested in, uh, you know, from troubleshooting to finding a route to traveling with pets to the internet, all that stuff. And I think our, our most enjoyable feature has been so far, the biggest surprise has been uh, able to go live in our live streaming that we've been able to do on it. We just did one uh, uh, the night before this podcast is released as uh, we released two brand new books. 
And that's the other thing that's had us really excited about. We've uh, been working on these now for some time. And uh, this is our 19th and 20th book that we have done. These are eBooks. And um, what we like about these eBooks is that you can click on a link and find a lot more information. Um, and it's updated. It's uh, We've gone over all of these links, all of these resources. Uh, these are guides that will really help you in two ways. Um, these are a little different than our travel guides, which are, you know, suggested route. The first one is on winter camping. And uh, the subtitle of that, uh, you don't have to stop just because it's cold. And that is so true. You you really don't because uh, you, these RVs are meant to be used in cold. You just have to take some precautions. And we go over all the things you have to do to go out for short-term winter trips in the snow. And it's it's awesome. And then the next one we did, and this is one we've been working on a long time. It's probably one of our biggest books yet. And it's the Complete RV Lifestyle Guide for Newbies. And uh, this newbie guide, the RV Lifestyle, the things that we learned the hard way. <laughs> And we, I think that's the number one question. People are, are newbies and they, they want to know what to do. They want some wisdom from everybody who's been there, done that. Yep. Uh, and that has been really fun to, uh, put together. And it's not just for newbies because even if you've been RVing a, a long time, I think you'll find some tips and some just suggestions there that will make it easier for you. So, um, I have two. Uh, addresses to sell to send to you. First of all, for the books, just go to rvlifestyle.com slash books. rvlifestyle.com slash books. And you can see at the top, we've put those right up there. Uh, they really, this is the official launch uh, today as this uh, episode is being released on January 10th, uh, 2024. Um, so you can find it right there. They're at the top. Uh, you can see all of our other books as well, but we're really excited about those. rvlifestyle.com slash books. And for the RV Lifestyle community that I was talking about, um, please check that out. It's uh, community.rvlifestyle.com community.rvlifestyle.com. We would love to uh, have you jump in and be a, a part of that. If you see us on, just uh, chat us up, send us a chat message. We'll get back to you. Like I said, we are on all the time, maybe too much, <laughs> but it's, it's so different than Facebook. I don't know how to describe it. Um, we knew we wanted to get away from Facebook. We still have kept the Facebook group. We're not going to shut them down. Yeah, don't worry about that. With 280,000 people there, we're not going to let that go. So if that's your cup of tea, don't worry. Yep. All right. So uh, with all this talk about our books and uh, Facebook and our community, you can imagine there's a lot of social media buzz out there. And that is the one good thing about social media is people can get answers. They can build community. And Wendy Boyer is our um, chief uh, cat rustler and uh, herder <laughs> on all of our social media uh, platforms. She has a team of uh, volunteer moderators that she oversees. And she um, puts together for us every week here on the podcast, the social media RV buzz. Hi, everybody. Over in our RV lifestyle community in the category called mods and DIY tweaks, uh, there was a post there from Bud and Sue. Now, they said they have a fifth wheel and they never wanted a dishwasher, but they would like some extra storage. So they took a picture of what they did. They had the dishwasher removed and two really nice sized drawers were put in its place and they shared it with the group. Many others uh, said they felt the same way, appreciated the tip and lots of good sharing going on there. 
And then over in the traveling with the pets category, we had a post from Christine. She said, for those who like to travel with your pet, your pet cat, where do you put the kitty litter? Lots of great conversation on this. Christine was thinking about putting it in the shower or bathtub area. I just wondered what others did. Well, Larry said what he has is a trailer, travel trailer with two doors. So they use the front door and the back door they, in that landing area. They put the kitty litter. Keeps it out of the way. Um, it gives the cat a private place to go. Works great. But Paula, she has a different type of RV. And so what she said is she puts her kitty litter under the bed storage area. Cleans it every day uses one of those non-smelling uh, kitty litters. She says it works great. Again, it's out of the way. Now, Doreen, she does put it in the shower area, but she advised putting a puppy pad underneath it to protect your shower and then getting one of those throw rugs right outside of it. It's a great way to collect any of those loose pebbles that come out. Just pick it up, shake it outside, keeps things clean. So lots of practical uh, tips and advice there for those who want to RV with their cat. And then over on the RV Lifestyle Facebook group, I'd like to tell you about a post from Wade. Wade said he and his wife are going to go out and look for fifth wheels. And so he asked the group, what advice do you wish you were given before buying your fifth wheel? So lots of really helpful suggestions in this thread. Several people said you need to make sure you can access important things like your bathroom or your refrigerator without having to open your slides. Robert said, buy an RV that fits the size of your current family, not those who you hope will be traveling with you. Uh, many people said, go to an RV show, lots of great models all in one place. And Allison said, get an independent inspection done before you buy it, even if you're buying it brand new. And then many said, perhaps the most common thing was to make sure you run the numbers, make sure that you know your vehicle tow capacities and the truck that you have can pull the fifth wheel that you're looking at buying. So that's a good advice there. And that's it for me this week. I'm Wendy Boyer, and I'll see you over at the RV Lifestyle community or the Facebook group. So that was pretty good advice that uh, that guy got on his question about the fifth wheels, because those are the things that well, we didn't know about when we bought ours. Yeah, I mean, it is important. If it's important to you to get into your refrigerator or the bathroom, make sure when the slides come in that you don't have to put the slides out to get into your refrigerator or your bathroom. Just little things that you might not think of in the excitement of buying your fifth wheel. So this part of the podcast is brought to you by MobileMustHave.com, and that is uh, a website started by RVers, run by RVers, and dedicated to providing the mobile RV lifestyle products and services that RVers need the most. Now, we're MobileMustHave.com customers ourselves. We have uh, installed their ultimate road warrior internet system. We did that on our RV last summer, and uh, it is the most important tool we have that allows us to do our work from the road, always having a reliable, high-speed internet connection. Now, MobileMustHave.com has internet solutions uh, for every kind of RVers, from those maybe who just need something a little more than their cell phones, uh, to those who are weekend and holiday vacationers, to full-timers and snowbirds. Uh, no one size fits all, and they have um, an ability to help find what you need that works best 
for you. They carry the industry's top-rated PepLink routers. Uh, that's kind of the gold standard in the mobile uh, internet access uh, industry. Uh, they have antennas, they have wiring and cable solutions for Starlink, the satellite service, cellular data packages that fit every budget. And here's the neat thing. If you use the promo code RVLIFESTYLE10, you can take 10% off the cost of whatever you buy from these guys. Just go to RVLIFESTYLE.com slash mobile must have. And I really like this about mobile must have. If you go to there, uh, RVLIFESTYLE.com slash mobile must have, you can schedule a free call and a consultation and they will go over with you what it is that you need what how you use the internet um, they also have things they can help you with if you're concerned about water filtration tire pressure monitoring systems much more um, this is a great outfit and we really have come to like these guys a lot check them out rvlifestyle.com slash mobile must have remember rvlifestyle 10 you get a 10 percent discount rvlifestyle.com slash mobile must have there is a new development coming on the market for RVers in Tennessee. It's built by the same company we bought our land from. We just went to look at it and it is amazing. Mountaintop property, great views, big woods and trails close to the Buffalo River like our property. Gorgeous countryside. It's only a few minutes from the Natchez Trace Parkway and an easy drive to Nashville. These are big properties, five acres and up, and the prices are great. There's even financing. We are really happy with our property. These guys do a great job. It's hard to find acreage where you can have an RV full time, especially in popular destination spots. This is your property, your way. There's electric and high-speed fiber optic internet. No more crowded parks or reservations. You can stay as long as you want. Go to rvlands.net. That's rvlands.net. Welcome back. And now it's time for our interview of the week. And this idea came from our RV lifestyle community where people were talking about scary things that happen to them when they're out there camping in the RV world. And at first we said, well, you know, we probably shouldn't write it because we'll scare people away. But uh, none of these people were scared away. They're all still <laughs> RV. They're still there. And, and they have some pretty good stories. And, and as we read that conversation, it kind of reminded me of, you know, when you go to a campground and you're hanging out with a bunch of people, well, let me tell you what happened to us as we were going up that mountain pass. And people tell all these stories. And so um, our team uh, reached out to some of the folks who had been commenting about the scary things that happened to them. And uh, and even us, we, uh, we're in this as well with a couple of our scary stories. So uh, uh, this is a fun thing, but they're all learning experiences. So uh, meet some of the of our friends from the RV lifestyle community and uh, the scary things that can happen on an RV trip. Hi, this is Bud and Sue. I'm going to tell you what happened to us is our scariest RV experience we've had recently. We're going on Interstate 10 westbound out of Tucson, Arizona, and a pickup truck in front of us had a mattress, a box spring, and a metal frame in the back of his bed, and of course, it was not tied down. As we're traveling along, we could see the mattress just moving and the mattress cover around the mattress started ballooning. So Sue said, that's going to come off. And so I tried to speed up and get around the guy. But as I did, here comes the mattress doing a cartwheel in a couple of lanes to the right of us and landed. And then as we keep on going, here comes the box spring and it landed face down right on the 
lane next to us in the right lane. Next thing, obviously, is the metal frame. Where did it go? Right in my lane. And so I'm trying to break to prevent hitting it and causing any accidents. And as I was going, luckily a good driver to my left saw what was happening. She slowed down and let me get our 40-foot trailer to the left away from that metal frame, which obviously would have caused some damage to the trailer, the truck, and whatever else it hit in the area. So I just thank God for good drivers, pay attention to the road, and help us get out of that great situation. Hi, my name is Jeff, and our scariest moment while RVing, well, for us, it was more humorous than scary. We left Astoria, Oregon, and about 45 minutes into our drive, a bat, who had apparently ridden inside the coach under one of our slide toppers, proceeded to fly around, doing laps around my head, and all we could do was drive until we found a wide spot in the road. We got pulled over, opened the front window and the walk door, and I went to the back of the coach, waving my arms and walking forward, which prompted the bat to eventually fly up front and out the door. Then we got back on the road. That's our scariest moment. Hi, this is Wendy. The scariest thing that happened to me when camping was several years ago, my husband, our two daughters, and our dog and I were camping at Pigeon River State Forest in Michigan's um, lower peninsula. And it's a very remote area. We were, it's a primitive campground, only seven campsites. We're talking pit toilets and a fire ring and a picnic table, that's about it. So we were on our last day there. Um, it was nighttime. The kids, we put them to sleep in our tent and my husband and I are sitting around the campfire and we're the only ones in the whole campground. We're on our last log of the fire and we hear this sound over the water. It's like a coyote, this really bone chilling, just howl. And then we hear the howl over here and then we hear it behind us and then it's getting closer and closer. And uh, we're, we're just looking at each other and it's so loud and it just is really spooky sounding. Our kids are in the tent, you know, there are no people around and we're like, what are we gonna do? And then we hear this screech, this yeah, like bone, just bone chilling screech, like a scream. And then it's completely silent. And I don't know what happened. I don't know if coyotes went in for the kill and that's what we heard, but it was just silent the rest of the night. And obviously we all lived to tell about it, so uh, we were fine, but it was an experience I will never forget. Hi, I'm Jerry. And one of the most scariest or unnerving things that happened to me while RVing was uh, we were camping out at uh, Amicola Falls in North Georgia. And um, I decided to take our dog, our little dachshund, out uh, for a walk on a well-worn trail up to the woods for about a mile. And, uh, and, um, there was a, around the campground, several signs posted, you know, beware of bears in the area. And so we were walking along, we we're about a half mile into the walk and, uh, we rounded this corner and, uh, we both stopped all of a sudden and out popped this bear's head, this big old black bear out of the bushes in the middle of our path. Uh, and he stopped, he looked at us and we looked at it. The little dog, the hair stood on, stood up on its back and, and uh, started growling and the bear looked at us and turned around and zipped right back into the woods. And I'm, and we just stood there for about another 30 seconds to make sure it was gone before we continued on. But, uh, that was one of them. And my other 
unnerving time while RPN was, uh, we were developing our land up in Tennessee. And, um, I decided to spend the night up there in the, in the camper by myself. And I was going to enjoy the night, uh, see the stars as they came out and, um, went ahead and, uh, was enjoying the evening and it got really dark and I saw this thing out of the corner of my eye just glide right by the road and into the woods. Didn't know what it was, but it was some large bird, it looked like, and didn't hear anything. So about five minutes later, on my side of the road, where we were developing our land, out in the woods, I hear this gurgling and a loud screech come out of the woods, and it was quite loud. Uh, and the hair stood up in the back of my neck, and I'm like, what the heck was that? I got my flashlight, and then Within another minute or so, it occurred again. And um, I said, what the heck? So I shine my flashlight into the woods and kind of looking for red eye shine, so to speak. And uh, But nothing, nothing returned, you know, came back to me on the, on the, with the flashlight. And it did it a third time. I said, well, that's enough for me. So I went ahead and packed up the chair and got in a van and closed the door and locked it and Stayed up for a little while until I finally fell asleep. But uh, those are the two times that I, I've experienced while, while camping. I remember when I went a few years ago to pick up a new-to-me uh, motorhome from Arizona. I live in Wichita, Kansas. And I flew out there to go pick it up, test drive it and all that. You know, And uh, then on my way back home, as I was running through the mountains, I noticed off to the side as it was getting dusk, and I remember back in kansas that we have to watch out for deer when the sun is coming up and when the sun's going down you have to kind of keep an eye out well in the mountains the deer are a little bit larger they're actually elk that you have to watch out and other and deer of course but and off to the side i noticed a herd of elk running along the road that i also noticed that they only have one choice is to go across the road coming up so i had to slam on the brakes and one of those out just stopped in the middle of the road and here I have a set of antlers right at the hood of my brand new to me RV quite scary I was quite grateful that the brakes did pass the test and they did work just fine uh, but yeah that was a scary moment hi my name is John the scariest thing that happened to me was when I just finished setting up at a campground in Orange County New York when all of a sudden it got real dark and the rain started pouring down and the wind picked up. The storm only lasted like 10 minutes. The rain and wind stopped and the sun was shining again. When I came out of the camper, I noticed that every building that the campground owned had a tree leaning on it. As I walked around, most of the trees and branches only landed on the campground buildings and roadways. There was only one motorhome that a large branch landed on the slide out. Luckily, there was no damage to the slide-out and no one got hurt. It took about four hours before the electricity came back on, and it wasn't until noon the next day before they were able to repair the building that housed the water pump and get the water flowing again. Later on is when I found out that a confirmed EF1 tornado passed through the campground. My scariest memory in an RV was a year ago when we were going to the Tampa Super RV Show. The... Uh spots are very narrow that we park in we had our truck and our fifth wheel and we were assigned our spot 
And uh, Mike pulled forward and he was going to back into that spot and he didn't have that much experience parking and I was pretty apprehensive about this and I offered to get out and help and uh, he felt confident that he could do it. I think he just didn't want to listen to my directions when I, you know, who knows what I'm directing. So anyway, um, making that turn, he turned a little too sharp and the fifth wheel popped out our uh, rear window in our truck. It made an explosion sound. Glass was everywhere. Bo, who was 65 pounds, was in my lap. I did not know what happened, but it was a scary experience. Scariest thing that ever happened to me uh, in an RV was about a year ago. We were coming back from Florida to our property in Tennessee, our Loblolly Ridge little five acres of RV camping that we have in uh, Tennessee. And it started off, uh, we left Florida, it was fine, 75 degrees. And then as we hit uh, uh, I-65, um, it started to rain and uh, it rained harder and harder. And as we pulled off 65 and began making our way to our campground, uh, the temperature was dropping and that rain turned to ice. And then it got dark. And we were on two lane roads heading toward our uh, campground. And these are little mountain roads uh, with no shoulder. It's dark and it's ice and I'm pulling a fifth wheel and there's really no place to pull off. Finally got to our campsite. And as we pulled in, everything looked white because it was, it was ice that was covering our little driveway. But I thought I was driving on the driveway, which has white gravel normally, but I wasn't. I was driving on the edge of the driveway and literally the RV tilted like that. <laughs> Jennifer was out watching and um, making a lot of noise saying, stop, stop. Uh, I could feel it tilting and I pulled through and fortunately it came back out. We didn't have any damage, but um, Again, it was the case I should have listened to her because as we were pulling in, she said, stop here at our neighbors. You can spend, we can pull our RV and stay off the road and in the morning we'll go in. But me, I thought I could do it. And uh, I almost tipped over the RV. Happy ending and another lesson learned, but scary nevertheless. Can I change my scariest moment? <laughs> Why, did this add to yours? Yeah, I think this was more scary than popping out the back window. It was pretty scary. No, I was, I no, I was standing there watching it, thinking, can we tip over that fifth wheel? What'll happen to the truck? Have you noticed that both of our scariest moments occurred because I didn't listen to you? <laughs> Thank you for not pointing that out. Okay. Years ago, we had a 10-year-old Class A at the time, and we were driving down interstate in Arkansas, I guess it really doesn't matter, does it? But we went through a pretty big thunderstorm. It was raining really, really hard. And maybe an hour or two later, we were going down the road. It cleared up where we were at. And our windshield started coming in on us. So we had to stop. That was quite scary. I had all, I was imagining like it crashing in on us. So we stopped and um, long story short is it took a minute, but we finally got it fixed. So I guess if you're maybe new to RVing or you've never heard of this, make sure you check the seals around your window. And I feel more comfortable now 
we are pretty well insured. We we weren't then, so we it cost a lot traveling time and getting the windshield. Hi, my name is Gene. My scariest time happened when I was on a vacation in Wyoming. My RV was a small Nissan truck with a slide-in pop-up camper. I was driving up a one-lane dirt road at about 9,000 feet in the rain, and it was getting dark. The higher elevation, the less power the truck had. I reached a point where I had the gas pedal on the floor and the truck was not moving. No power. My only choice was to start backing down the road. I would let the truck roll backwards for about 10 feet, then lightly touch the brakes. When I did that, the front brakes would lock up, and the front of the truck would slide over toward the edge of the road. There was no guardrail or barrier, just a sheer drop-off. It took about an hour to finally get to the point where I could turn the truck around and go down forward. I made it down to the paved road and set up camp on National Forest land. We were glad to be safe and alive. That night, I learned the limits of the truck as well as my own limits. Well, those are some pretty good yarns, aren't they? They certainly are. And, you know, I think, again, the thing to stress here is that they're all learning experiences. Ours was a very expensive one with that window. And, uh, you know, we i got to tell you, I'm nervous now every time I back up that unit. I really do check. So, see, I guess it was, uh, somebody said it's just an expensive, it's an educational cost. And uh, I was lamenting how much it costs to replace it. And that's the two. That's what happens with most of the scary things that happen to us. We learn from them. And it was so great that we were able to get the window fixed, that we didn't have to drive home or anything without that window. And I think a really good thing was, that we didn't tip over the fifth wheel when we were at our Tennessee property. Yeah. It could have been so much worse. Now, it probably helped us that we just got done uh, adding a little bit more room to that driveway in uh, Tennessee, which which we'll be trying out here in a day or two as well. So. Mm-hmm. Well, this part of the podcast is brought to you by our new sponsor, uh, Keystone RV. They are the nation's largest manufacturer of fifth wheels, travel trailers, and toy haulers, all of them dedicated to help you camp better. Now, I want to talk about winter time. Uh, we are now in what we call prime time for the RV show season all around the country. And you can see uh, if you subscribe to our RV Lifestyle Newsletter, you see how many RV shows are around Tampa's next week and many others. Boston's coming right up. So a lot of people are shopping for RVs. They're going to shows and they don't know what quite to look for because it can be so overwhelming when you go to a big show. So many RVs, you know, uh, the Tampa show has over a thousand, uh, you know, you can't possibly go in all of them. So how do you know what to look for? Well, that's where Keystone RV can help you out because they have just put together a guide to their favorite new models and features from all of their fifth wheel uh, brands. Uh, and that'd be like Montana, Cougar, Alpine, Arcadia, Sprinter. And each brand has different floor plans, different styling, different features, different price packs, points, and they're all backed by this keystone history of innovation and quality and really good owner support. But I want to break a little bit of news because we've got an inside tip of something that they're going to be releasing and showing for the first time at the Tampa RV show next week. Because one of the models that is added to that buyer's guide is the brand new Montana 3623EB. 
So what do you think EB stands for? Don't know. Well, listen up, because they are going to debut in Tampa. You figured it out. They're going to be in Tampa. Uh, a new e-bike stow and go storage design. One of the biggest problems of e-bikes is how dirty they get uh, when you put them on the back of your, your trailer or your fifth wheel or your car or your truck, whatever you're doing it. Based on a bunch of polls that they have done, they know that about two-thirds of fifth wheel owners either already have or intend to buy e-bikes. We just did a poll in our community, and that's about what it worked out to. The same thing, the same amount of people have or are buying e-bikes. Really a popular accessory. So that challenge in keeping those bikes safe, charged up, Montana divide this really cool strut-assisted bike rack system that lets you easily load and store your bikes inside the coach, even has a power supply to keep them charged. Now, you can see that and that buying guide I talked about if you go to KeystoneRV.com. KeystoneRV.com. And we thank them for being a part of the, the of our sponsors here on the RV Podcast. I am so thankful that they came up with this because an e-bike costs a lot of money and you want to keep it secure and you want to charge it and uh, you need easy storage of it. So this is wonderful. So no more worries about your e-bike. Um, you'll hear all about it next week, but just remember you heard it here first, right? Right. All right. When we come back, we've got lots of RV news of the week. So stay with us. When we're asked what's the most important modification we made to our RV, it's an easy answer. Battleborne batteries. Battleborne batteries are quality, safe, reliable lithium batteries that allow us to stay out there off the grid longer. Lithium batteries charge faster, they charge fuller, they're longer lasting, they're maintenance free. And Battleborne batteries are protected by a 10 year guarantee. Now in our case, they just dropped into the existing AGM batteries that we have. And they'll probably be the same on your rig too. Battleborne battery experts can get those in your rig just like they did with ours. They can also match you up with the right cabling, the inverter, the charger, the solar controller, everything. Jennifer and I swear by our Battleborne batteries. They allow us to boondock off the grid. Check them out. Go to rvlifestyle.com slash lithium. rvlifestyle.com slash lithium. Welcome back, everybody. Time now for the RV News of the Week. Well, don't be surprised if you hear or see a wolf this summer while camping in Colorado. Colorado's Parks and Wildlife, they released 10 gray wolves in mid and late December as part of a voter-mandated species reintroduction effort. Over the next three to five years, a total of 30 to 50 wolves will be brought to the state from a, a total of 10 to 15 different packs. And the move was very popular in much of the developed areas of the state, and especially so in Denver. But as you would expect, it was not all that popular in rural ag agricultural areas like Grand County, where farmers and cattle ranchers worry about the financial impact the wolves could bring to their livelihood. The first 10 wolves were released in the Arapaho and Roosevelt National Forest areas near the Rocky Mountain National Park. Both are wilderness areas, popular places for campers, and now there are wolves among the wildlife. 
And uh, seems like we got a book about camping. We do. We have a whole seven-day adventure guide to um, Colorado. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes. You can find the show notes at rvlifestyle.com slash podcast. Well, um, there has been a lot of complaints that come through uh, about national parks. You might have seen these. They become social media memes, sort of, from clueless tourists. I mean, really ridiculous things. Outside Magazine had a story uh, over the holiday season that uh, was really uh, pretty sad because these were re actual reviews that people left complaining about the national parks. Um, they did this search uh, for reviews on Yelp and TripAdvisor and Google uh, for the best and the worst reviews. And you wouldn't believe what they found. People actually complained that Shenandoah National Park was a mountainous area with trees and some nice shrubbery, but unfortunately it wasn't that entertaining. Okay. Uh, somebody complained that Colorado's great sand dunes national park said it was too sandy for the great smoky mountains national park. Somebody complained about no bear sightings and said that haziness gave them a headache. Anyway, we'll put a link to that story uh, in the show notes and you can realize what people complain about. Pretty silly. Very silly. And now this story's got me super excited. Campgrounds at 24 of Michigan State Parks are going to face delayed openings or partial closures this uh, season during upgrades. So 24 Michigan State Park campgrounds are undergoing numerous building projects that will cause temporary closures or delayed openings this year. The state is investing $250 million to improve everything from trails and picnic areas to modernizing bathhouses, campsites, electric hookups, wastewater treatments, roads, and more. And some of the more popular of the 24 campgrounds in the mix include Ludington, Wilderness, Talas Point, Seven Lakes, Port Crescent, Interlochen, Bay City, and Tequamanum Falls Parks, and the improvements vary by locations. So if you're planning a camping trip this summer to Michigan, be sure to check out our seven-day guides to help plan your trip. And uh, Michigan is our home state, uh, home state, and one of our favorite places to camp. I uh, most of those are our campgrounds that we like. We camp at, and I guess it's good they're fixing them, but. Man, they're going to, a lot of people are going to be inconvenienced this year. Tequamanon Falls, where we normally go, a bunch of folks of our friends were just up there camping, but we we didn't go this year because they they didn't make quite as many uh, campsites available because they're doing some construction there. Um, I mean, it's all good. Eventually, they're going to be fixed, but it's kind of a short term. And uh, in Bay City, the park was closed yeah. For a year. It's and I think it's still closed. Yeah. It's still closed. So yeah. anyway, good good job, Michigan. But hurry up, will ya? <laughs> uh here's some surprising news. We've been talking about uh how the main new market for RVs has dropped. Uh new orders dropped by about fifty percent over last year, uh or the year before. Last year was twenty three. 23 dropped about 50% in terms of wholesale shipments. Now uh, we're told that wholesale RV values are dropping. They're declining. And according to the uh, Black Book RV market commentary uh, for January, the average selling point uh, for motorized units is down almost 10% 
from the previous month. Tobles down about uh, 4.3%, and, and the number of RVs sold during the COVID years are starting to show up at RV auctions. All this is good news to you uh, as a, a consumer, because it's becoming now a buyer's market after the last several years of this crazy RV boom being a seller's market. So prices are indeed coming down, and that's good, right? That's good. Yeah. Cheaper is always better. I don't like the word cheaper. It's just less expensive. Zone. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Hey, when we come back, a couple of RV questions of the week. Stay with us. Have you had it with overbooked, overcrowded campgrounds? Then check out Harvest Hosts, where RVers can overnight for free at wineries, farms, microbreweries, golf courses, and attractions. Harvest Host is a membership service for those with self-contained RVs looking for unique, beautiful, and peaceful overnight camping experiences across North America. When you become a member of Harvest Host, you can camp for free at all these places. Jennifer and I are Harvest Host members, and we've made so many great memories at Harvest Host locations. There's no charge for camping, and your Harvest Host membership fee is easily made up with just a couple of stays. Plus, you have awesome places to stay. If you use our special affiliate link of rvlifestyle.com slash hh, you'll automatically get 15% off the cost of your membership. That's 15% off, but you must use the special link, rvlifestyle.com slash hh. All right, welcome back, everybody. Time now for the RV questions of the week. And we should tell you if you have a question for us or a comment on anything you heard us say today, we welcome them. And uh, we love to share them on the podcast. Just uh, uh, write us at uh, our private email, which is Mike and Jen at RVLifestyle.com. All right. What's our first okay. Question? Our first question is, we're headed to the Tampa RV show in Florida and we're unsure how much time to budget. We're camped over by Lakeland and we'll be driving in on Wednesday, the opening day. We're figuring out daycare for our dog and don't know how long we should book it. The other option is bringing him. He's very well behaved and only weighs about 15 pounds and is the show dog friendly. And that was from Terry, one of our RV lifestyle readers. And um, it's funny uh, uh, because I think the Tampa RV show, first you should know, is the most dog friendly show RV show we've ever been to, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, but let's see. Now, they're in Lakeland. That's about maybe an hour from Tampa, uh, depending on how traffic is. Uh, your dog is pretty small, so I think he would fit in great. Oh, I do, too. I mean, you see strollers everywhere with uh, little dogs in the uh, stroller, and you see dogs dressed up in costumes. <laughs> you can't <laughs> you put know? your dog in a costume. Um, we've even seen people carrying little dogs like in a backpack. Yes, or in a, a sling. They carry their little dog. I mean, I wouldn't let a little dog walk on the pavement. Number one, the pavement's usually hot, and I'd be worried somebody might step on it or trip over it. Because it's pretty small, your dog. Yeah. 15 pounds. Even with a big dog, people aren't looking for dogs. Yeah. Uh, uh, so if you have like a, a stroller or one of those doggy carriers that everybody seems to get, uh, bring your dog and take all the time you want. Because um, it is very much friendly. Now, as far as how much time to budget, what do you think? I think you need more than a day. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of uh, vehicles to look at. And I think the ticket price uh, at the show gives you two days admission. So that should tell you something. <laughs> There's over a thousand RVs there, new RVs, and plus everything else to see, all the, the vendors and, and stuff. Uh, 
Uh, now, uh, if you're going Wednesday, which I think they said, um, Jen and I will be there. We'll be there all next week. And we're doing meet and greets, um, you know, um, every day except Sunday. So on Wednesday, we will be at 3 p.m. at the Battleborn Battery Display booth. So come meet us uh, at the Battleborn Battery Display. Uh, when you get into the show, they give you a map and they give you a show guide. So you'll be able to find the Battleborn and you'll be able to find all the RVs you want to look. But bring your dog. Yeah. It's very dog friendly. It sure is. Now, question number two. There are so many planning tools for RV trips. What do you and Jen use? That is from Ken and Marie. Well, it's funny that you would ask that because um, that is exactly what I have been doing for the last three days is planning our trip to uh, Florida. Uh, we are about uh, right now uh, from our studio here on our 10 acres in Michigan. Uh, we're about 1,400 miles, 1,407 miles from the Tampa RV show, at least on the route we're going to take. We could take another route, but a bit longer. So I use a program um, that is called RV Trip Wizard. And RV Trip Wizard is part of a, of a suite of tools that is available through a service called RV Life Pro. And we will uh, put a link to those in the show notes for this episode. If you want to go to that at rvlifestyle.com slash podcast, and you can find a link. Um, but this uh, RV Trip Wizard is built especially for RVers. It gives you a visual map of where you want to go. You enter in where you're starting, and then you um, enter in where you want to go. And then how far do you want to go a day? How many miles do you want to go? It will even tell you as you fill in your data where you're going to have to stop for gas, all that stuff. It draws a circle with your mileage so you know, let's look for campgrounds here. Right from the app, you can find campgrounds. We just picked three of them uh, that we'll be stopping. We're not going to try and be crazy superheroes and drive in one uh, fell swoop all the way through. We are going to stop and take three days to get there. And we found a spot in Kentucky, a spot in Georgia and a spot uh, in Florida, uh, not too far from Tampa. Uh, so that's how, how we're going to do it. Um, I, I think it's really good. You put in, you know, the size of your RV. It gives you RV safe routes with no low clearances and all that sort of stuff. Um, go to uh, rvlifestyle.com slash rvlifepro. rvlifestyle.com slash all one word rvlifepro. And you can uh, check out that tool. That's the one that we happen to use. And I think we're going to, we get questions about this all the time. So I think what I'll do is I will kind of do, as I plan out our route, I'll do screen grabs of it and show you how it works. And, and then, uh, and then as we drive down there, we'll actually see if the route is as accurate as it says. And it will be, because we've used this many times. It's a great tool. So that's fun. Mm -hmm. Actually, I got all excited planning it. It's really fun to, to see. It. I think the neatest thing is you can see all these campgrounds uh, where, you know, you, you find it on your map. Oh, I want to stop around here. And then there's a little tab and it'll bring up every campground around there. And you can go to their websites, look them over. It's all like one stop planning. Yes. Good idea. So check it out. RVLifestyle.com slash RV Life Pro. Uh, that's the link. Got a question? Got a comment? We love to get them for the podcast. It's Mike and Jen at RVLifestyle.com. Mike and Jen, 
at rvlifestyle.com. That's it for this week. Uh, we'll be posting our uh, full schedule at Tampa over the weekend on the RV Lifestyle blog and in the community, the RV Lifestyle community that we talked about at the beginning of the program. We hope to see you at Tampa. And if not, we'll be doing lots of updates, particularly for the community. We'll be doing live videos for the new uh, community.rvlifestyle.com. You'll see us there next week. Till then, happy trails. Happy trails.